You're listening to Special Education Matters, a regular podcast about things that matter in special education. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and I am the proud father of an 18-year-old boy with autism. The district is not your enemy. This belief, as well as others, guide today's guest, Bonnie Landau, as she advocates for our students. The districts know she is going to work hard to secure students' services and in a way that is collaborative and bridge-building. Bonnie has personal special education experience with her own child, and this encouraged her to create and present parent training as part of her advocacy network. Head to her website where you will see links to blog posts, infographics, starter kits, and her book. All that can be found in our show notes. Enjoy the conversation. Bonnie Landau, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to have you here. We've had a great conversation before our recording here, so I feel like I've really gotten to know you pretty well. Uh, But let's just start with the basics. What services do you provide and what parts of California do you cover? Okay, great. Um, I provide special education advocacy for parents, and I also provide parent coaching. So the advocacy work, I help parents make sure that their child is getting the best support in the school in terms of special education. That could include reviewing IEPs and 504s. It could also include going to meetings and helping them get the services for their child. And then I also provide parent coaching, helping parents manage how to parent their child. For example, a child who is super active or hyper or has sensory issues, I help them come up with strategies at home to make it easier to help uh, work with their child. Now, I want to ask you about that parent coaching, but before we get to that, you had, there's a reason you became an advocate. It's pretty, actually kind of a common reason for a lot of advocates. Like, why don't you tell us what influenced your decision to become an advocate? Well, the main reason is I did so much to help my own child, and I struggled so much with the special education system. I really wanted to help other parents learn how to manage the process. I mean, the key thing for me is to reduce the stress level of the parents. Obviously, we want to get the support for the students, but the parents should not have to fight so hard. So I want to take what I've learned on my journey and help make it easier for them. All right. So I I talk to various advocates, and not everybody talks about the role of parent coaching. And and when we talked even before the show, you mentioned that, and we talked about some of the things that you do. How did that evolve? Like, why did you decide, you know, rather than just being an advocate in a meeting with the school district, I think parent coaching is important. Can you tell us about that journey a bit? Yeah. Well, I think that as parents of children who learn differently, We all have different experiences parenting, and a huge part of our experience is I'm not doing it right, or what can I do because we have the same problem happening over and over. And I recognize that parents don't know who to go and ask for those kinds of solutions. The OT might say something, the special ed teacher says another thing, but if they haven't really had a child with challenges, they may not know the right strategy or their solutions may not be effective. Also, I want parents to understand that there are things that can make your life easier. And I want them to learn that it's not all about taking care of their kid. A big part of being an effective parent is taking care of you. So Mm -hmm. if you don't take care of you, you're going to get worn out. So looking at how can you do that? You know, can you get respite care from the state? Are there people in your environment that you can ask? 
I need this extra support, even if it's a half an hour or an hour a week. That's a huge deal to let mom get a break or dad get a break so that then they can come back and be a more effective parent. So it's really about reducing the stress level of the whole family, making the family function better mm-hmm. and uh, making the parents a happier parents. <laughs> okay. So, you know, as we're both parents to a child with special needs and what you're saying mm-hmm. about respite care is so critical and so important, but in reality, do parents, do you actually see them doing it? Because sometimes it's like, I can't take this time off because I'm so focused on my child right now. I have to really do that. And it might be counterproductive, and it certainly is not to take a break. But do you see parents actually listening to you and taking those breaks? It takes a lot of convincing. But what I do as part of my education is I teach them what's going on with their whole stress system in their body, what's going on with the amygdala the adrenal cortex and how that affects their body long-term. And when you start to explain to them how this affects their sleep, because a lot of them have problems sleeping, how it affects their uh, stress response, that they're, if they start at a heightened response, they're going to overreact and it makes it much more difficult to deal with day-to-day situation. Mm-hmm. So when they start to understand it on a biological basis and they start to see, hey, yeah, I am seeing some chronic symptoms of always being under stress, then they realize if I don't take a break, I'm going to long-term start having other health issues. So I wouldn't say all parents listen. I would say about 70% of the parents will take it seriously and make changes. Uh, Some parents just are so scared for their child, it's so hard for them to relax. So then we just do the best we can. So we talked about parent coaching. Let's turn a little bit to the advocacy work. So what do you think is the best approach or style as an advocate to work with both parents, and, but probably even more importantly, working with the districts themselves? What do you think is the best way to work with a district to help advocate for a child for more services, for example? Well, I think working with the district, it's really important to not see them as your enemy. I know a lot of people feel that way. But the truth is the people that work in the district are stuck in their own paradigm of having to follow the rules that the district sets up. If they don't do what their superiors tell them to do, they can lose their job. So Mm -hmm. they're not in education to hurt students. A lot of them hate when they have to say no. So really looking at the district and saying they're coming from that place and we're coming from a place that we want everything for this child. Where can we meet in the middle? A lot of parents, when they start the process, think, I want all these things, but it's not always realistic that you're going to get the whole laundry list. So what can we negotiate and what can we find in the middle? And it's really about looking at the child. What's critical for the child? Prioritize those things and do the best you can to get the most you can. But if you go at it that the district's the enemy, and they're going to be mean, and they're going to lie, and they manipulate. If you go in with that attitude, it's very adversarial, and they're less likely to come to the table and negotiate. So, so uh, that's why I'm wondering, Bonnie, when you sit down and meet with the district, you know, your philosophy, you've been doing it for a little while, so they, they know you. You probably know everybody by now. Are they mm-hmm. happy to see you then because they know they can work with you, or are they like, uh, I, I assume they are. Tell us about that. It depends on the district. <laughs> I'll uh. be honest with you. It depends <laughs> on the district. Uh, the districts that uh, are are okay at giving special ed, but not always 
um, great at coming up ideas on their own. They appreciate mm-hmm. having me come there to come up with strategies. I help brainstorm to come up with ideas. And I have districts where I have one district who calls me the happy advocate because they know when I come, I do a lot to educate the parents, to help them understand the process mm-hmm. and to empower them to take charge. But I don't treat the school like they're the enemy. And they know that I'm not going to come in there and be this aggressive, you know, mean lady. They know that I'm going to be very objective and calm so they don't get scared when they see me. Uh, I do have districts, though, that aren't happy because they know that if I come, the meeting's going to be longer probably. And they know that I'm going to be nitpicky about laws because I'll point out where you know, this is what the law says you need to provide. As you should. Yeah, go on. Yeah, exactly. And that's the one thing parents don't know to do. And that's why so many districts can, you know, skirt around the parent and avoid giving services because the parent can't say, you know, I gave you written notice and you didn't get back to me in time. And so you didn't abide by, you know, IDEA law. Uh And so they got away with it. But now an advocate won't let them get away with it. So they're not always happy to see me because now they know they're going to have to do what they didn't want to do. (laughs) (laughs) So in in your experience, like a parent who doesn't have your background, are they able to secure the services that they should be able to get without an advocate? Or does it nowadays, does it really take an advocate to get the services that are required? By law, that is. You know, even in the districts that give the best services, you really should have if you're not educated and you don't know what to ask for, you should at least consult somebody who can help you with that. Because mm-hmm. what I see that uh, there's two districts that I work in where they are good at giving services. But what I see is they're not creative about providing solutions. And so they pretty much give the kids the same as what they give other kids. Cause that's what they're used to doing. Uh-huh. And they don't uh-huh. think outside of the box in terms of, you know, accommodations or alternative curriculums or things like that. And so really having somebody come at it with experience of doing a lot of research outside and coming back to it and saying, you know, because your child has auditory processing disorder, we can do, we can do an FM system or we can have them sit in a different place. Or we know that if they have somebody give them written instructions in addition to verbal instructions, it's better for them in understanding the curriculum now we're looking at solutions that are not typically provided in, in the classroom, you understand? And mm-hmm. so that's where an advocate can be really valuable because the one thing I really see with parents, and I particularly see this, where I work in California and mostly in Ventura and Santa Barbara counties, a lot of Hispanic parents where English is their second language, and I find that they're very confused by the whole process. Sure. So. Yeah. They're just trying to understand what's going on, and the meeting goes so fast that they don't even know how to ask questions, because they don't know what to ask. And then they blow through the meeting, and everybody says, okay, okay, it's good, it's good, okay, let's go, sign it, you know? And if you have somebody with you who really understands what should be happening or could be happening, that can change the whole paradigm of the support your child gets. Hmm, okay, I can imagine that. Like, well, 
for me, like I live in Thailand and for me to go to the Department of Motor Vehicles, I have no idea what's going on because I'm a hopeless yeah. foreigner. <laughs> and they, just, they, just put, they just put me in line after line, tell me what to do. And then if I'm lucky, I walk out with a license and a couple smiles at the end. <laughs> so I, I, wanted, yeah. I wanted to talk yeah. now about all the other stuff that you do. So it, it, it appears that you maybe never sleep or you're just really efficient because you have books, graphics, uh, kits, blog posts. Tell us about those and how do you do all that? <laughs> well, I'm a mom. I have 10 arms, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you talked um, about respite care earlier and maybe you're not taking yeah. your own advice. <laughs> um, yeah. So my kids are older now, so they're very self-sufficient. And so I get a lot of time to myself, actually. Oh, okay. um, but so a couple things. First, I have, I've been a graphic designer for 25 years, so producing stuff is pretty easy for me. That's one of the reasons. But a couple of, about a year and a half ago, I suddenly had this inspiration to write this book, The Special Ed Mom Survival Guide. Mm-hmm. And it was basically a brain dump of everything I learned as a special ed mom, all the things that I went through struggling with the school, moving to a district where they were good about giving special ed, learning uh, all the things outside of school that we could do to support our child to help him get better. And mm-hmm. everything that I learned about t- taking care of me, because I did not do that in the beginning. I did get burned out in the beginning. And everything I learned about how to support my child as a parent so they can get the optimum support home and school. I put all of that into that book and I wanted parents to know they're not alone. And I wanted them to accept that this journey is hard, but they can do it if they have the right tools. And most of us do it through trial and error. And I was hoping that that book could help parents, see what mm-hmm. could happen or what should happen so that they don't have to go through the trial error process. And from that, I created my website where now I have a blog and I hang out on a lot of groups on Facebook and special education topics. Okay. And so when questions come up that people don't have the answer to, for example, you know, I, my kid has really good grades and they're telling me, he doesn't qualify for special ed because of his grade. So oh, okay. I, I'll look at that and I'll say, oh, well, that's not legal. And I'll write a blog post about it. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. so now I have a blog post that says, you know, when the ch- your child is refused special ed because they have good grades, it's not legal. <laughs> and this is why, and this is what you do. And I also create a lot of printables because for my own children, both my children have IEPs. I have things that I do to support them in school. So, for example, we're getting ready to start our school year right now. And one of the things I do is I sit down with my kids and explain their accommodations to them. And we put together a sheet that basically outlines the areas that they struggle. So, for example, one of my kids has some executive function challenges. Mm-hmm. He also uh, has dysgraphia, so he has a hard time writing. Okay, yeah, sure. And so we write out about these are the issues, and this is how they show up in the classroom, and these are the accommodations I have to support me with this difficulty. And then we, my kids will go and take that to each teacher in school and say to the teacher, I want you to read this so you know how to support me in class. So I have a printable on my website that's free to download. 
and it's oh, an nice. editable Word document mm-hmm. that the parent can use and they can write up the same thing for their own child. So I really want parents to know that there's things that they can do more than just attending that IEP meeting. There's a lot you can do to make sure your child is not only has that IEP, but it's being implemented properly. And that's what a lot of my tools on the website are about. And Bonnie, we're coming to the end of our time here. So let's have you give you a chance to tell us where can people find those resources, for example, your webpage and other ways that they can contact you. Right. So my website is specialmomadvocate.com. And my Facebook page is the same name, Special Mom Advocate. So my email and phone and everything are on my website. And I have a blog. And that on the blog is where I have a lot of these printables where you can download them. Okay. I'll make sure to add all that to the show notes as well. Bonnie, thanks so much for your time today and giving us all this great information. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to another edition of Special Education Matters. For more information, including show notes, head to our website, csnlg.com slash listen. And if you like what you hear, please uh, consider giving us a review on iTunes. Those reviews bring us lots of happiness. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and we will talk again soon.